One of my kids announced that he was trans when he was six years old, but my ex and I didn't pay any attention to it and we let him do whatever he wanted. Wanted to wear dresses, we let him. He wanted to wear makeup, we let him. He wanted to wear heels, we let him. Why? Because we know that kids change their mind all the time. And today he is not trans. He has gone back and forth with being trans a million times since that day, the first time he told us. And if he changed his mind again, I would fully support him because I am his mother and I love him. To be clear, I have no problem with people who want to be themselves and express that any way they want. In fact, I highly encourage it as long as it doesn't affect me or the people that I love but I draw the line at women being erased or at least trying to be erased. And that's exactly what trans activists are doing now. I am a queer, feminine, biological woman, and I refuse to allow anybody to try to erase me or those like me, especially from biological men. So Jay, I thought we could talk about trans activists and how and why they're trying to erase women. Jay, as a straight half Indian dude, I'd love to know your thoughts on the difference between a regular trans person and a trans activist. Sure. First, let me just say for the record that we can't be sure that any particular person is trying to erase any particular other person. It might appear that way or you might feel that way, but- Let's not go triggering everybody on the first two seconds of video. I mean, we do warn them. (laughs) No, we don't know. No, I know. And so to me, trans as a concept can be one of three things. It can be a fad, like a temporary fad, like pet rocks or cigarettes, you know, or vinyl or something that is going to, it's going to be temporary. It's going to pass on. Mm -hmm. Like my kid. Yeah. But the movement, like transsexuality. Oh, oh, okay. I I apologize. Yeah. Can be, could be a fad. Mm -hmm. And some people would just hate that I even suggested it might be, but it's possible. It's possible. Sure. It could also be a variant, sort of like we have tall people, we have short people, we have middle sized people. It's just a variant, right? Right. It's, it is what it is. I, I don't know if we need to rearrange the whole world for short people or rearrange the whole world for tall people, but they do exist and we're all cool with it. It's just a variant of humanity, a variant of a human being. Okay. Right. It's not going to be a temporary fad. There's always going to be tall people and short people pretty much. Right. So we all make peace with that, right? If it's a variant, we make peace with it and we might have our preferences. Some people prefer short guys. Some people prefer tall guys, yada, yada, but we know they exist and we don't get too fussy if people prefer one or the other. Could be a variant. Okay. Or it could be the evolution. It could be the next phase, the next big thing. Like when the World Wide Web came around, a lot of people were hesitant and I don't know about this fancy technology and no, I don't need that. I'll do face to face. I don't need to be online. I don't need to put my credit cards online. You know, here we are 10, 20 years later. It's the evolution. It's clearly the evolution. This is not a fad. This is not going away. The net is the net. All it does is get more integrated into our lives and smart homes and everyone's connected online. Like it's it's just done nothing but grow. Right. Right. And so sometimes it feels like Some trans activists want it to be that. Like everyone embrace this. This is the new thing. Just like the internet, trans is here to stay and everyone, we're going to rearrange our whole society around it Mm -hmm. like we did with the internet. Right. So you you see these three options that the trans movement could be. Yeah. 
And so whenever you meet a trans person, they don't come out and say it, but secretly in their minds and hearts, they have a view of this. They've categorized the trans movement as one of these things. Mm -hmm. They either think it's a fad, it's going to pass. Maybe that's more like conservatives or something are going to think that. But you never know. Someone is going to think of it and label it that way mentally. Other people are going to think it's a variant. They're going to view it as live and let live and it's fine and whatever. But we don't need to make too many special concessions in society because it's just like tall and short people. They deal with their their lot, right? Mm -hmm. If you're too short to reach something, you ask somebody for help. If you're too (laughs) tall to fit under something, you duck, Right. right? It's just part of life. You're allowed to be whatever you want to be, but no one's really going to go out of their way to rearrange society around you. No, I'm super short or no one's rearranging society for me. Right. So this is another way some people see trans. Mm -hmm. And some people see trans as the evolution. Like, Mm -hmm. this is my cause. This is the future. This is the way it's going to be. You better get on board. We're going to rearrange society around it. Just like the internet, it's an inevitable tide. And so help me, like, y'all are going to wake up and see it sooner or later. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. So trans people can fall into any of these viewpoints. And there might be some other, I don't know, offshoot viewpoints. I'm not sure what they would be, but this seems to be the spectrum somewhere around there. Right. And trans activists are going to are gonna sort of mirror that. Every trans activist has one of these views. Right. And so their activism will also fall along a spectrum. It will either be heavy-handed peer pressure where they have a strong agenda and they're doing their best to get everyone to get on board with this agenda, or they're going to have like minor concessions. Some people are trans, some people aren't. It's not a big deal. Everyone can be what they want to be. I'm not a super aggressive activist, but I would like to see some concessions made, similar to how gay marriage came around as a as a concession to gay people. Like, right. we concede this. Yes, yeah. you guys exist in society and you should at least be allowed to get married. Or sure. Whatever. And so maybe there's that kind of activism. And the third kind of activism is just barely any fuss at all because this is an inevitable part of life it's gonna happen i don't need to be activist because just like with the internet i I don't need to be an activist for the web or for the internet because it's it's gonna happen right 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 but not all trans people are activists some trans people want to live their life they they don't feel like they were they're the sex they were born or the gender and and they want to switch and they do all the things to do it and, and, and they never bother anyone and they never yell at anyone and they never demand things. Uh, but then there's these activists, the ones that I'm, I'm talking about that are in the, <laughs> this category <laughs> who are like aggressive, dem- aggressive. Yeah. They're with the agenda. Yes. Sure. But my point is every trans person is going to ha- fall into one of those three views or somewhere across the spectrum of views that I shared earlier. Right. And then every trans person is going to have some level of activism, whether it's very minimal and they're just living their life and standing for who they are, or they're going to have the extreme side that you just mentioned. Right. Okay. I misunderstood what you said. Yeah, all good. We got there. Yeah. Yay. So the difference really is just the degree of activism, where they fall in the activism spectrum. Because even someone who's not not activist at all... Mm -hmm. If they're trans and living a trans life, they're they're not going to just be a doormat and let the entire world walk over them. They're no. they're going to be who they want to be and live how they want to live. And even that is a slight form of activism, right? Right. That's either the the simple concessions activism, like live and let live, and it'd be nice if I had some concessions and I'll stand up for them, mm-hmm. or it's the inevitable tide 
of evolution where like, I'm just going to be who I'm going to be and you'll all see, or that trans person can be super aggro, super heavy handed and peer pressury with yeah. their agenda. Right. Right. But it makes sense. Or what I said was not all trans people are activists, but if you are trans, you, there's got to be, like you just said, there has to be some level. It could be very like mm, chill. We had a client who was trans uh, and she was super chill about the whole thing. She's like, I don't care what y'all do. I, she didn't like all the language changes and, and express that that wasn't something that was on her radar whatsoever. And we rarely talked about that stuff at all actually and for her it was just about i'm presenting as a female and and i just want to be respected that way that that was sure but even that level even that i want to be respected that way is a hint of activism yeah but yeah well i hadn't considered it she's actively living her life yeah it's the same way i mean you're latina yeah Mm -hmm. and maybe you're not a latina activist like a hispanic activist or whatever Mm -hmm. out there parading but if a restaurant tried to keep you out for being colombian oh we're gonna have some problems (laughs) there's gonna be something i want respect and maybe you do something about it or say something or you tell your friends or you start and it's like now you're like a little tiny bit activist about the cause right right just because of who you are and you want to stand up for who you are and anyone standing up for who they are is going to be a tiny bit activist about who they are fair play okay that that makes sense i hadn't considered that as a form of activism but totally makes sense so give them, i mean learn something new every day <laughs> i guess it depends on your definition of activism but to me that's all a spectrum of activism from the super hyper aggro activists to the I'm just trying to live my life and I sometimes stand up for myself activists. Yeah. Well, I guess in my mind, this word calls on the people that are all over the internet that are demanding for biological women to be erased. Yeah, so that's only one kind of activism. Right. But in, but that's what I understood it as before. So this is good because now we're making sure that the definition is clear going forward with with this podcast so that when when because I have a lot of questions involving activism. Well, then maybe you should specify agro activism. Yeah. So um, most of my questions are going to be about that side of the activists. So this is good that mm-hmm. we're defining our words. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And and this is how a conversation is with you. Like, <laughs> you think it's going to just be like, oh, easy question. But, you know, you have to define the, the, the words and the terms and in your conversation. And this is how you communicate, people. <laughs> okay. So my next question then is, so the agro trans activists and the feminists that are on their side, so also the agro feminists, they tend to call anyone who doesn't agree with them a a transphobe. So I was wondering why they do this. That is a great question. Can you tell if someone is afraid of spiders? (laughs) Yeah. Like they freak out and scream. Yeah. As soon as you see them interact with a spider in the same room or something, Mm -hmm. you can usually tell. Yes. Okay. But can you tell when someone's afraid of being vulnerable? No. It's a lot trickier. You probably could if you dated them for a long time. And after four years or five years, you were like, yeah, this person's afraid of being vulnerable. Oh, yeah. I've been somebody I I knew. Yeah, long term. But unlike the spider, you can't tell from one single interaction. No. Or even a handful of interactions. You're still not going to know if that person is scared of being vulnerable. True. 
Right. So what does this mean about fear? It means that some fears are fairly simple, obvious, and easy to spot from one interaction. Right. But other fears are more complex and take more observation and more intimacy and more analysis and more knowledge. Mm -hmm. And to find out what someone's really afraid of, you might even need years of coaching or therapy to, to unbury that fear. It might look like they're afraid of a certain race, but really they're afraid of being vulnerable. It might look like they're afraid of spiders, but really they're afraid of uncontrolled environments. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. They could be a control freak. It has right. nothing to do with spiders. Right. So since fears can be so confusing to spot and often take massive amounts of insight and analysis. What does it mean when someone instantly slaps a phobia label on you, a phobic label on you after one interaction? I mean, maybe they're projecting their own fears. Maybe. Or maybe they have an agenda or maybe, 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 maybe they're following their friends. Maybe they're just towing the party line. They just don't know what else to say. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So to me, slapping the label of X phobic or why phobic on somebody after you've seen one interaction with them on social or a handful of interactions on the net or whatever mm -hmm. is sloppy and knee-jerk at best and intentionally harmful and slanderous at worst. Yeah. And, and it's usually because somebody didn't agree with what they said. There wasn't even like an insult or anything. Yeah. So to be clear, slapping this phobic label on anyone is generally just poor behavior. It's just bad. It's just bad faith arguments and a bad way to interact. Like if you go back to our label episode, episode four, five, six, seven, eight, you can look it up. It gets into the power of labels and why people use them and how labels are the guns of language and why people break them out. Yeah. And in this case, to me, it doesn't seem fair at all to slap a label of phobia or phobic on pretty much anyone unless you've really gotten to know them, like therapist level know them. Right. Or dated them for a long time, know them. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so this is such a poor way to conduct oneself, labeling people as phobic of something at the drop of a hat. Why would someone do it? Have you ever labeled someone as afraid of something? <laughs> yeah. You're afraid to commit. Yeah. You're afraid to do your own thing. You're afraid you'll lose your friend. You're afraid to stand up for this or that. Mm -hmm. But do you really know what they're afraid of? Do you really know yeah. someone's innermost fears? No, not even if people share it with you. You don't really know. Yeah. Oftentimes they don't even know what they're really yeah. afraid of. Yeah. So how could you? Isn't it super presumptuous to do this? Of course. Of course. Right. So why did you do it? Why did you throw the word you're afraid around? Mm. To be hurtful. To derail the conversation. That too. To win the argument. Yes. To get your way. Yeah. That. That. Exactly. Because if I say to somebody, you're just afraid of whatever, this creates something in people where like being called chicken. Basically- they're calling people chicken. And then the other person typically, not always, but typically will respond, oh, yeah, I'll show you. And and then this escalates it. And then they end up looking freaking crazy. Yeah. And they're off on a tangent. Yeah. Like they were making a point and they're way off the point now. Yeah. They're trying to defend themselves about being chicken. Like you have derailed the conversation <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're lost. But the person who did it is thrilled because yeah. that's exactly what they wanted. Exactly. So you asked why a trans activist or an agro feminist would break out the transphobic label. And I say to you, why would anyone break out any phobic label, right? Why would you break out the homophobic label? Why would you break out the afraid of technology label? Like you said, to derail the conversation or right. get your way right. or yeah. 
Like so, these are the options or some of them. So you have projecting. your answer. Yeah. So you have your answer. Okay. Well, this is really helpful um, because while I don't get called that very often online, but I see this a lot and I get really upset when I see this because to me, when someone's being called transphobic, it's like, they're not afraid of you, dude. Usually they have something to say. And we're allowed to have differing differences of opinions. This is what makes the world go round. Like, thank God we have different opinions. So sure. And when there's a difference of opinion, it's a pretty underhanded conversation tactic to break out this label. Yeah. It's not a healthy, mature way to handle a difference of opinion. No. But people everywhere do it. And to me, there's no point getting upset about it. It's like watching a child try to argue, oh yeah, well, you're chicken. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm not upset at the child's mm arguing technique or debate technique or conversation technique. Right. I'm just laughing like, all right, man. And I, I dip, I bounce from the conversation. Yeah. This is not someone mature, healthy, and sane to have a discussion with. This is someone with their own agenda who's looking to derail the conversation and it's going to be completely unproductive. And so I'm happy if like they can think they won, they can think they got their way. Right. I'm just happy to leave because I don't engage with these underhanded, sloppy, self-interested, unproductive conversation techniques. Yeah, it makes you sense. You don't have to get too... No, I think what's annoys me about it is it's it's always when they don't know what else to say. Like the right will come at them with facts and science and biology and they're like, you're a transphobe. And it's so childish and any real argument or real side they had, it just dissolves when they throw that at someone. Yeah. So it's their loss. So why are you upset? It's like conversation is a game of back and forth, a game of tennis, a game of basketball, whatever. Right. And if you're playing fair and by the rules of conversation, you have a healthy, productive game and see who wins, see, see who comes out on top, where the truth is, like who made the best points. And okay, fine. Like you got a good point. I'll let it go. But if someone starts using these sketchy communication tactics to win their argument, it's the same as picking up the basketball and traveling. Like you just run around the arena and someone lifts you up and you put it in. I won. See, yeah. there you go. And it's like, I mean, I guess like this, the buzzer went and the score went up, but you didn't win. Like, I feel bad for you, bro. Like you don't even know how the game works. Like you're just cheating and it looks bad. Right. And so when people converse like this, they're just cheating and it looks bad. So fair enough. I don't think you need to be upset that they, <laughs> they, they lost. Right. Well, this and is, they don't come out looking very hot. Right. Well, this is one of the reasons too that I've shifted some of my content viewing and comments and outreach to a little bit of a different topics in, sure. in different channels because I don't want to spend my day annoyed and mad because people can't have a conversation. So thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. So do you think that the way that these agro trans activists behave makes it difficult for the rest of trans people who are on the, the side, the like chill end for them to be taken seriously and to, to be heard when they, when they do have something to say? Well, let me ask you a question. Let's say you're a clean and sober person, but you've decided to hang around all your loud, obnoxious, drunk friends from before. <laughs> and you guys go out and the cops stop you and arrest all of you or people get mad at all of you or they pick a fight with all of you and they, they lump you in. They put you in jail. They arrest you too. They have pick a fight with you as well. Mm. Are the loud, obnoxious, drunk people making it difficult for you to be seen as a clean and sober person? Mm, yeah, definitely. Sure. The rest of everyone is going to lump me into this category of, Absolutely. of the people I'm spending time with. Especially if you do it often. 
Yeah. Now, on the internet, in public, maybe the chill trans activist isn't hanging out with the ang- agro trans activists, right. but on the internet, it all just blends together. You're in the public square. You might as well be hanging out with them anyways. Right. As soon as you type. Yeah. As yeah. soon as you talk about hashtag trans movement, you come up in the searches and in the results and in the tags with all the other agro loud trans activist people. Yeah. So maybe you're super chill and you have a very healthy w- method of activism, but is it going to be difficult for you to be seen that way? Yeah, definitely. Probably. Definitely. That makes sense. Like your, your example was excellent. And there's, there's, there are a lot of creators that are coming out now. A lot of trans creators are, are saying, I was born a man. I'm not a woman. I am a trans woman. Uh, there's Blair White um buck angel these are two trans activists who are on the the low end of the scale who are just being honest and talking about their experience and what they believe and it's nice and refreshing to to see them doing this but people who aren't really paying attention to their content and what they're saying are going to lump them into the same category as dylan mulvaney or, or jeffrey marsh uh so yeah so this this makes whole lot of sense so So this wasn't on my on my list of questions but do you think then there's a way for them to stand out and away from them so like in your example i would have to remove myself to be seen as clean and sober but maybe that doesn't translate to the, the trans community the same so is there a way for them to stand out and not be lumped into that same agro trans category sure I mean, if you were the clean and sober person out with the loud, obnoxious drunks and you had a giant white hat with black letters that said clean and sober 10 years, <laughs> might you be less likely to be lumped in with them? Okay. Yeah, probably. Right. Or if they were all like, come over here and have this conversation and be in this bar and you're like, no, I'm going to that bar and having like, a conversation without you guys. Are you then likely to be lumped in with them? No. So there are ways you can create distance or create differentiation, of course. Right. Uh, On the internet, that's more like your personal brand or everyone's using the hashtag trans pride or trans power or trans movement or something. Mm -hmm. And you use the hashtag chill trans or healthy trans or peaceful trans or something. Right. Right. I got you. There's always ways, but you're definitely making it difficult. The more you engage and interact and piggyback on what all the other agro trans people are doing. Right. And it makes sense. The first time I saw Blair White's content, I had this assumption because I found her through one of the hashtags. And so I assumed it was more of the same. And I, I was pleasantly surprised to to pay attention and, and hear what she was saying. So so yeah, that's a good point. And and that's for anybody really who's wants to stand out. That was like a really good branding tip for you there for anyone. So thank you. You are awesome. Yay. So Moving on to my next question then, what about these radical feminists who are as aggro as the trans activists and are like defending them with this rabid fervor that I don't understand? Don't they realize that they're defending biological men? And and most of these feminists are diehard men haters, not all of them. Uh, I'm talking about the like aggro super those kind what's what's the deal with this okay well first we got to address the term biological men because people are going to go nuts okay yes let's let's have this conversation cool so first 
what's the purpose of language? Because it's an argument over words, right? What's a biological man? What's a woman? Yes. So? Uh, Language is to define. It's for for us to communicate and understand and to define what we're talking about. Right. And can language serve its purpose if a word changes definition every two seconds? No. If a definition is fluid and random, what happens to language? Oh, then it is a cluster F. Right. So definitions in a language or words in a language have to have clear boundaries and lines that they do not cross so that everyone knows what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. If those words are not firm and solid and stable and reliable, maybe with a little wiggle room, we're in trouble. Right. Like maybe you take some liberties in poetry, but for day-to-day language, we really do need these words to mean something clear and defined. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no point of language or communication. Yeah. So if we take the word square... Square hopefully has a clear definition that everyone can agree on for the most part. 99% of people can agree on the definition of a square. Yes. It's not a rectangle. It's not a circle. It's not a triangle. It's a square. Yeah. And when we're having a day-to-day conversation or we're having a debate or an argument, if I say, let's make the table square and you say, let's make the table round, it's fine. We're both clearly communicating with our well-defined words and we're not, well, I don't know. Does a square feel like a circle today or does a circle feel like a square today? I don't know. You don't know, right? Yes. You see, it's super important. Yes. And it and it's normal. It's, it's a normal part of language and conversation that we have defined words. Now, what happens if I take that square and I round the corners a little bit? Isn't the square now a circle? Mm. Like I've performed surgery on the square, right? I've <laughs> shaved off the corners. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's still not a circle. So it's still a square. Yeah. What if I do it further and it's even rounder? And now it's like almost just like a little blob. But still like, still it's kind of like a square, like a thumbnail or yeah, something. It's still a square. Okay. And what if I shave it off even further and it's like almost a circle? Then it's almost a circle. But someone else who comes in and, and looks at that might be like, oh, nice circle. You kind of drew it rough, but right. they might see it as a circle. Fair enough. So now our definition of a square, every time we like go outside the lines or move towards another definition, it, it becomes more confusing. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if we change it enough, that square is now a circle, but no one's going to call it a square. It's going to be called a circle because that's the definition of circle. We came up with these definitions ages ago. They still stand today. They still help everyone everywhere create and build and draw and construct. And we all use them. And anytime it's in between a square and a circle, we we admit that's in between a square and a circle. Yeah. That's either a rounded square or that's a squared off circle. Yes. Right. You could do the same thing with red and yellow on a color spectrum or in a pencil case, whatever. You've got red, which is clearly red, and everyone knows it's red. We can all agree on it's red, besides for a few exceptions, like colorblind people. Right. And then we have yellow, and it's clearly yellow. No one's arguing. Everyone on the planet, construction people, scientists, men, women, children, we can all identify that as yellow. It's clearly in the boundaries, and the definition of yellow exists, right? These two colors exist. But what happens if I take that shade of red and I nudge it towards yellow? It becomes orange. Ah. And what happens if I take that shade of yellow and I nudge it towards red? It becomes orange. Right. And so two people could come in and see that orange and be like, oh, you, you turned that red into orange, man. And the other person can come in and say, oh, you turned that yellow into orange. And they're both staring at it. And it's like, no, that used to be red. No, that used to be yellow. No, that used to be red. No, that shade of orange used to be red. (laughs) Yes. Because it's in between. And that's why we have a a name for in between. It's orange. Because we don't have enough definitions for this and this. So then you can have orange. Right. 
but sometimes we don't have an, a name or a definition for that word, like the squared circle or the rounded square. Like yeah. we're just like slapping adjectives together to try and define something that's been undefined and we don't really have a term for it and so on and so forth. Yes. So this is kind of what we're dealing with now. For thousands of years, we've had men and women, two genders, mm-hmm. with clear definitions and clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. And how do we form those boundaries? Like, how do we decide what a square is and how do we decide what a circle is? How do we decide what is red and how do we decide what's yellow? Maybe with red and yellow, at first it was just by sight. But as science grew and we can measure frequencies of light, maybe scientists came up with a, a line where a, everyone agrees that now this is past red into orange and now this is past orange into yellow. Like, maybe it's a certain frequency of light or color of light that sets the boundary. Mm-hmm. Do we have that for men and women? For years, it's been chromosomes and uh, hormones and genitalia and secondary sex characteristics. And we do this for, for various species, right? What are the traits of a female peacock? And what are the traits of a male peacock? What are the traits of a rooster? What are the traits of a chicken? And then for some species, when we can see that they don't have the sexual dimorphism or the binary genders, like an amoeba, we, we don't define it that way. We don't have language for that because they don't have two genders. But for many species, they have two genders and we define them clearly. Mm-hmm. Circle and square, red and yellow, man and woman. Yes. And so these definitions have held up fine for language for thousands of years. And until someone's figured out a way to change chromosomes and change hormones, and change genitalia, and change secondary sex characteristics all at once, and actually get into the other category. I don't know if we should be swapping labels and changing the language and undefining things that were previously defined. It just causes problems and no one can communicate and everyone's arguing and what is a woman and everyone's fighting and now society doesn't know. Should we build this kind of bathroom or that kind of bathroom? Should we have this kind of sport or that kind of sport? Like it it throws everything off when you fuck with the definitions of language. And I'm fine with language evolving and I'm fine with definitions changing. Like red might change to orange, might change to yellow. And maybe they move the frequency markers of like where these things count. I don't know. I'm open to it, but it shouldn't be done willy nilly and it shouldn't be done at random and it shouldn't be done just because you feel like it. It makes sense to have a reasonable purpose to changing these definitions and one that benefits everyone using the language as a whole. Why do we improve a language to help everyone using the language? Yeah, agreed. If we don't have a name for the color in between yellow and red, that's a problem. It's going to be awkward. We're going to have real struggles discussing this. Yes. So we need to evolve the language and we need to create orange. Fine. But do we have that situation or that problem here with men and women, with trans? Maybe, maybe not. That's why they have non-binary. But now they have a million different things, intersex and non-binary and trans woman and trans guy. And mm-hmm. so so my point is, I'm good either way. I'm sure when orange first came around, there was some backlash. <laughs> right. But eventually everyone came around and like, yeah, we need a word for orange. I kind of wish there was a word for a squared circle or a rounded square. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that shape is. I don't think we have a word for it. Maybe we need one. I have trouble. I have to say 50 syllables to explain the concept I'm talking about. Yeah. But those changes to language, I don't believe should be made by like angry protesters who are pissed off that, you know, the world's not the way they like or whatever. Great. I believe those changes should come from a clear problem, needing a clear solution with people putting their heads together and agreeing that this is an issue. And until then, I would prefer to use the definitions that have stuck around and been reliable for communication. Great. Personally. As do I. And I feel it's a totally reasonable stance. So for our conversation here, I'm fine to use biological male 
based on chromosomes, hormones, genitalia, and secondary sex characteristics. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine to use biological woman based on chromosomes, hormones, genitalia, and secondary sex characteristics. Sure. And and I would be happy to show them what a biological man and woman look like, but this isn't OnlyFans. So we're just going to use language to describe <laughs> describe it. Yeah. And so that's a bit of a tangent, but I feel like this whole language thing needed addressed. And I don't want to go forward with everyone like, oh, you should change your words and say different things. It's like, I've thought this through, man. And I have a Clearly. reasonable point here. Yes. It's clear you've thought it through. And I'm I'm not taking sides, but I'm, I'm saying like, if you're going to make giant sweeping changes to language, you can't just enforce it on people. And it can't come from panicked, fearful, angry, guilty, blamey, like ugliness, yeah. you know? I agree. That's not how we evolve language. I totally agree. And out of the two of us, if anybody is going to be non-judgy and non-emotional and and stick to data and facts and logic, it's going to be you. I'm the one that gets triggered and annoyed and, and flustered and, and wanting to punch stuff. So like, yeah, you know, for anybody who's new and doesn't know, he's the logical one. Uh, and, and you could argue that that's biology because he's male and men tend to be more logical and I'm female. And I tend to be more emotional, like most females, not all, but most. So anyway, I appreciate the tangent and I'm glad so that anytime someone says this to me, I can pull this clip and show it to them. Or if anyone ever calls you transphobic or anything, if anybody is not that in a million years, it's you. So anyway, please continue. Okay, so your question was basically why are agro-feminists championing biological males who have turned trans over biological females. Yes. Why are they letting them win the contests? Why are they putting them in positions of power? Why are they letting them in the bathrooms and showers, letting them in the bathrooms and showers, celebrating them as woman of the year and so yes. on. Why are these passionate agenda driven feminists doing this? Yeah. So I would ask you, do you know how important identity is to human beings? Yes. Okay. And so if someone identifies as a activist, as a fighter for a cause, as a defender of minorities, if they identify as this, this is their identity in their heart and soul. They're like, mm -hmm. that's who I am. I've been fighting since I was born. I've been fighting. I'm, a, I'm fighting for feminism. I'm fighting for trans. This is their identity as a fighter, right? as a, as a champion, as an activist. When feminism basically gets rid of the pay gap, there's been research, this is mostly debunked, and women have more shelters and more child support and more, they win more court cases and all this stuff. When they now have the right to vote, which they didn't have before, and they have the right to work, which they didn't have before, and they have the right to own land, which they didn't have before. When feminism has basically won all the things they were fighting for, yes. what happens to the identity of all the feminists? They identified as someone fighting for women. Well, now that women have everything, they don't know what the hell else to do. So now they're trying to help people who aren't even women. Yeah. They need to find another oppressed cause. Mm. And they will do it forever. Literally forever. Let's If they won everything they wanted for trans people, whatever that happens to be, mm -hmm. and 50 years from now, and they're still around, or their kids are still around, and they were raised to be fighters too, they're literally just going to find, they'll, they'll make up an oppression if they have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're doing now. Well, I don't know about that. Like, mm -hmm. again, I'm trying not to say they're erasing women or they're doing this or doing that because I don't know, Sin, and we don't know 
what they're doing and why. But I'm, I'm showing you how things can work in people's hearts and minds. When someone, anyone identifies as anything, my dad identified as a worker his whole life. And so whenever there was no work to be done, he, he would just find work to be done. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? And you're working yourself to the grave, to, your, to the bone. Yeah. He can't explain why. He doesn't know why. But deep inside, the reason why is that he identifies as a worker. And because of this strong identity, he'll do anything to avoid clashing with that identity. He needs to uphold that identity. And so he will go out and manufacture some fluff. Right. Fluff work. Yeah. And cause fighters and activists will identify some fluff cause. Okay. Maybe there's a ton of trans people just living fine and they're like, whatever, it's happy. I figured out which bathroom to go in. I know how to handle this. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. And they don't need a, a champion or an activist doing anything. But the but the cause fighters, the activists and champions, they got to fight for somebody. They'll drag those people along with them and, and use hold them up as an example. This is who I'm fighting for. The person's like, dude, I don't What you talking about, man? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Yeah. It makes sense if their whole identity is is fighting for the oppressed and the victims. And now, as women, we are no longer victims or oppressed. Yeah, they're on OnlyFans doing whatever, balling out, like have as high body counts as they want, do whatever. Right? Women can do whatever. We can do whatever we want. We can be in any job we want. The pay gap has is been busted as a myth. This is not true. We we make just as much as men if we work the same amount. Of They're hours. doing an astronaut now, right? Yeah, like I mean, it's like whatever. Yeah, like we can you do won. anything. Yeah, there's very little left to yeah, fight for. Exactly. So they have to find something else to fight for. Someone else, another underdog, another victim, another oppressed people and and now this also explains to me why a lot of feminists also have embraced people of color causes i have a friend who is is a bit of an activist uh she's a bit of a feminist i love her to death uh but she's said stuff about me being like a victim as a woman of color and and i had to set her straight i was like oh wait a minute no 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 i am not oppressed and i am not a victim i'm latina if there's any racist issues that I have or anything racist happening in my life, I will handle it. I don't need anyone to fight for me. But thank you. I I, I appreciate that. So yeah, I, I get it. I get it. That makes total sense. And see, your whole tangent on language and, and then this answer and, and the whole thing and everything that you always answer on the podcast is, is exactly why we have this podcast. Because you guys, I felt like I was cheating the world. I, every time I had a question... I'm the only one hearing the answer. Now all of you get to hear this amazingness and and not just on the podcast. If you want to have more of Jay's amazing brain and his wonderful thoughts on this topic and deeper personal topics, because maybe you're not trans and, and you're like, who cares? We have a book. It's called Eyes Wide Open Volume 1. The link to check it out is in the description. It's the world's first self-help coffee table book. How baller is that? Look at you marketing. I love it. I'm just, I know it. It's a world first. I know. I know. It really is. I've looked at so many self-improvement books and and wisdom books, and none of them are beautiful coffee table books that you could, you could put on your coffee table. Gorgeous photos. Yeah. And I know Christmas seems like far away, but it's never too early to start. uh, Yeah. And it sneaks up on you. Yeah. And it's like, it's an amazing thing to give to somebody who. Uh, really wants to improve themselves and, and isn't quite sure where to start. It's and to get stuff. their feet wet because it's pretty. Yeah, it is. It is. 
Anyway, so again, this episode is sponsored by me. So, <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on. So Bud Light, Tampax, Maybelline, Nike have all come under fire recently because they have collaborated with a known trans activist on TikTok. And I was wondering, do you think that all of the buzz and all the hate and the love, either way, will affect these businesses? Well, generally, a business's actions affect them, especially something that controversial. Well, yeah. But I think your real question is, will it affect them in the long term or permanently or with lasting lasting effect? Yeah. So that would have been a, a better question. My bad. So yeah. Do, do you think all of that will hurt their bottom line in the long run? And for that, it goes back to the first question we answered. It depends on whether the trans movement is a fad or a variant, just a variant of humanity or the inevitable tide of evolution, right? The next big thing. Mm -hmm. If the trans movement is like the web, the internet, and it becomes something that society rearranges itself around, Mm -hmm. then they're getting in early on the ground floor of a huge social evolution, which I mean, they're going to win huge off that. Like people who got in on the ground floor of the internet, right? right? But if it's a temporary fad, like pet rocks or fidget spinners or something, then they're taking their long-term brand and their vision and their company and they're tying it or anchoring it to this temporary fad that's a flash in the pan and it's going to disappear pretty soon. Mm-hmm. All the buzz is going to die off about it. People are going to stop talking about it. It's just going to fade back into the distance. Then it's just going to be like a laughable footnote in each brand's history, right? Like, remember when Bud supported the trans movement? It's like, man, dude, trans is so so done. It's so gone. It's whatever. No one cares about this stuff anymore. If you're trans, great. But like, then it's just them being inauthentic, right? It's them steering their company away from their true direction mm-hmm. and tilting it towards some temporary fad inauthentically just to get some buzz, just to capitalize on something of the moment. Right. And if that's the case, if they're more towards that side of the spectrum, that's going to hurt their bottom line. They're going to lose loyal fans and never get those fans back. Mm-hmm. But if it's the evolution side of things, then maybe they'll get a little hate, but overall they're going to win big. And if it's somewhere in the middle, I mean, who knows, right? Right. But you got to vibe it out. Like some companies support LGBT authentically because them and their staff are kind of into that and they have family members on that. And it's it's a really sincere thing. Yeah. And they really do support and they're looking to make some impactful, positive changes for that group. But other brands just throw up a rainbow flag anytime they can pretending to support this cause or this group and really they're just trying to like suck money out of them like during pride month this is when that's very obvious yes yeah and so the ones that do it authentically it works for them their brand benefits and people love them and it's it's all good Mm -hmm. the ones that do it inauthentically and just for a money grab they might make some money i don't know but it's generally does not go well for them Mm -hmm. so yeah it depends so you probably only time will tell then i guess Yeah, but like I said, you can vibe it out. Like, even though time hasn't passed, Mm -hmm. when someone throws a rainbow on their company avatar during Pride Month, I can usually vibe it out if this is authentic or inauthentic. Yeah. And so same for Bud or Nike or whoever you're talking about. Yes, time will tell. But at the same time, I don't think it's too tricky to vibe out if these brands are being authentic with what they're doing. Right. If they're staying aligned to the brand and their vision and their direction all along, or if they're tilting off and hopping on to whatever bandwagon they can to suck more money out of people. Well, I I agree with what you're saying. And in my personal opinion, many of these companies are 
doing just that. And in the case of Bud Light, the marketing director or VP of marketing who was in charge of the collaboration with the trans activists knew what she was doing and said, like, we are steering us away from the frat brothers, uh, the frat boys type of consumer and moving towards this way. And, And to me, like, you're alienating your target audience, the people who made you what you are to jump on this bandwagon to be like everyone else. And and I could be wrong. And, and this is only my gut feeling, my instinct. And, and from what I, I got from all the research that I, I did on this. So I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, and I know for myself, as a queer woman, I do support companies who are honest and clearly and feel genuine to me that they're supportive of my community versus those who feel to me that they're not. So I guess it's it's going to have to be an individual decision for you. So yeah, and you can always just check the stocks. I think Disney Plus lost 4 million subscribers announced today or something. Yeah. Bud Light also has gone down as has Tampax. And I'm not sure about Nike. I didn't really research that um, Mm -hmm. too much. So, well, thank you for your opinion. And your opinion on on business always means a lot to me since you have so much experience being an entrepreneur. You've had more businesses than I have. I've had more businesses than anyone. (laughs) And not in a good way. Damn. Oh, I'm just saying, like I, I was saying today to somebody who was crying about failure of, of their first and only business. I'm like, girl, you have no idea. But anyway, that's that's a whole other topic. Um, but I do value your opinion because because you failed so many businesses, you know what not to do. So that's why I, I put this question in too, is because you would know, you you would know. Um, so thanks. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I value your, your opinion. Uh, okay, so we'll move on then. So it seems like a lot of companies are bowing down to some of the pressure that they may be feeling to change language and be more inclusive. So I'm curious why so many people online and in real life seem to be bowing down to the 1% of people because trans people make 1% of the population. Why are they bowing down to this such a small percentage of, of people in the world? Could be a bunch of reasons. What if those companies all have trans family members or trans ally children, right? If you're the CEO of a company and your own brother or sister or child is like on your back at every meal about, yo, why aren't you doing something for the trans movement? What do most CEOs do? They're going to do it. They're going to cave for for their the person they love. Sure. Okay. So maybe that. Or what if that CEO is on their on their phone, on their feed, like in the rocking chair at home or in the can or whatever. (laughs) And that feed is nonstop trans stuff because they're so vocal and they're trending and so on. And it's been going on for not months, but years. And so the CEO is seeing it. It's been, it's been going on for years. Yeah. yeah. So now what's the CEO going to do? What's he going to think about the market? Oh, well that's, that's your feed. It gets recommended more and more and more the more you look at it. So he's going to think that all social media is like that because that's what he's seeing in his feed. Yeah, it's 1% of the population, but they're super loud and they're super recommended and he's stuck in a feedback loop or an echo chamber. Right. And CEOs are just just people. They're just sure, humans. Sure. Yeah. What are they going to do when they're inundated and, and seeing this nonstop? What are they going to conclude that their company should do next? Cater to those people. 
Or what if those CEOs go to a retreat or a mentorship or they're watching some other richer mentor, some other richer CEO, other more successful CEO, and that CEO is saying trans is the next big thing. You guys got to keep an eye out. Uh, my wife says, and my daughter says, and uh, we've done research and whatever. Uh, some 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 CEO out there, some richer CEO, whether they're right or whether they're confused, is spouting the value of the one percent trans, like how important this is. That, what are all the other littler CEOs going to do? Oh, that competitive inside us as entrepreneurs that's going to make them want to compete in that same area well not only that yeah if they see something that's working or if they see some someone they believe in like oh that guy made a ton of money yeah then they're gonna do it yeah so you see all these reasons add up yeah the ceos of these companies are just people and they're getting influenced by these different things right family and feeds and mentors and idols and people they look up to and whatever right and so I'm not saying these guys are making super smart decisions. Like, I don't know how smart it is to cater to a 1% loud vocal minority, but for whatever reason, they're choosing to do it. And I'm not that surprised, Hmm. you know? Right. Well, no, I'm just, to me, it was shocking to see a huge company like completely ignore their entire user base, user base for this like 1% because yeah but disney did it yeah i Bud know did it. i know Maybe and, it, did it. and it's shocking to me like as an entrepreneur myself and you know like if we had one person or like three people demanding that we you know change the name of our podcast because it was offensive to their eyes i would Tell them to fuck off. Well, but hold on. What if all your other podcast people were silent? They didn't comment. They didn't engage. They just watch. They're just silent watchers. And so your only engagement as a CEO is these constant loud people over and over saying it over and over. And they keep bringing a fourth friend and a fifth friend to say it too. And it's adding up. And you're starting. It's all you're seeing. Yeah. Are you level-headed enough? Are you focused enough to remember the silent majority or are you going to be sucked into what you're seeing every day and in your feed and and popping up on your notifications? You're like, you know what? I think we do need to change the name, man. Yeah. Well, I I, I can't answer that because like part of me is like, hell no. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like that's a great question. From what I know of you. (laughs) Hey, now. What? (laughs) I'm just teasing. Maybe you've changed, but in the past, you've been easily influenced by what's in your feed. In fact, what's in your feed caused some very major problems recently. And so if if that pops up in your feed for whatever reason, like you can't really control it, you're getting notifications. I mean, you can control it, but if no, that pops uh, up in your feed- No, that's why I said, I don't know if I, if I, I would like to say I won't. But, but that's why I don't yeah. judge these CEOs. Yeah. Like I don't think they're making super great decisions for their brand. It does not feel aligned. And I, I'm not sure where these decisions are coming from. Probably not research and data. Yeah. Because when you're catering to a loud 1% vocal minority, it's and ignoring your consumer base- Generally, it's hard to justify this and and call it a great decision. Maybe it might be in some cases, but pretty tricky. But I don't judge because I know people are people and humans are humans, mm-hmm. and it's they can be influenced by this kind of thing: family members and yeah. constant feeds of a certain thing and idols that they look up to. Yeah, I mean, if my kids came to us and, and complained that we didn't talk about you know, queer stuff enough. You probably start talking about it. (laughs) Probably because I'm queer. They're queer. Yeah. Like, right. And I'm irked because like, I know. And and I I don't don't like to see, I don't don't want to be like that. Well, I'm saying I don't like to see CEOs being bullied 
and and pressured to change the direction of their company. Yeah. It's fine to consider these things and take them on board sure. and and whatever, but to just knee jerk like, oh, someone said such and such, I'm changing. Yeah. Or I've seen this in my feed 500 times. I guess I'm just going to change. It's like, where's the level-headed thinking that I like? I want to see from these CEOs, right? Yeah. And I don't want to become someone who does no. that. No. And I don't want my partner to become someone who does that either. No, so, I don't. Yeah. Well, for myself, I have a lot of stuff I'm working on and I become a lot more self-aware and I am curating my feed. Uh, I have two two accounts that I use a lot and one is for the podcast and one is my my personal feed and so I was keeping them separate but now I'm seeing that there's a reason why I have a personal feed like it's okay to have them to be the same because it's part of who I am like so yeah I think if you're a CEO and you are watching this maybe I want to think about curating your feed and and doing some data and and getting out there and seeing outside of that 1% what they think maybe and I'd like to think that I I would do that and I think now with you and your help and and all the teachings that you give me I would like to think that I would tell my children you know I will consider it and and even though I am a queer woman that's not my whole identity at all so yeah thank you it was really good really really helpful I also want to point out, like, I know I gave the book up. I mentioned it earlier, but like, you helped me change my life in so many different ways. And I just want to put it out there. We don't really have like a, a program or anything right now, but I'm always up for coaching. We're yeah, like this is what we do a lot, and you're an incredible coach. And if so, if, if somebody out there wants some help with with something with their business or their life, email me and we'll talk. So I'll put that out there. You're an amazing person and you helped me change my life. And I, I wish I had a video of who I used to be before we met to compare to show people. Uh, okay, so I'm going to move on. Okay, so we started this podcast and I mentioned that trans activists want to erase women. And you brought up the point of they may not actually want to do that. And, and not everyone, not all of them may want to. Um, and so I'm going to use some feminine language for right now okay it feels like it <laughs> it really does as a woman i have three children i've breastfed my children <laughs> I, yes they they didn't go hungry at all and <laughs> i have a period and i'm an emotional person this is me this is what part of who i am plenty of estrogen Yes, plenty of estrogen. But a lot of these agro trans activists are wanting to change language. And that change of language feels like erasure, like wanting to call us chest feeders and womb bearers. Oh, and my least favorite is cis, calling me cis, which actually began as a, as a negative word to refer to biological men and women. So if the trans people, trans activists, all of them want to be like me. And I'm only, I'm only going to talk about biological men who are transitioning to be women. You guys want to be like me because you're transitioning. You're, you're getting bottom surgery to have the designer experience. <laughs> the designer. So trans people want to be the opposite of what they were born to be. Right. And, and I understand there's a lot of complexities and nuances to, to that. But, you know, 
<laughs> why are they trying to change language like this to erase women? So what's easier for an activist? Changing the way society behaves and their attitudes towards their cause or making a rule that you have to speak a certain way? I'm making the rule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's an easy win for them to change language. They're like, yay, we did something. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if you had a cause, any cause, a great place to start for your cause would be an easy win of banning a word or replacing a word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. sure. But it, it doesn't really matter. It's a hollow victory. It's a hollow win. People think, oh, see, we did it. We got the, the language changed now. So the word slave has been mostly done away with outside of BDSM or like kink. Right. And if you use it, it's, you know, it's it's a big faux pas. Right. And so the words effectively banned. It's been replaced. Mm-hmm. But if you look around the world, there's a ton of people living like slaves. Yes, it's true. There's a ton of people like working to the bone to make other people rich. You can't get much closer to like master slave deal. And then the master throws them a freaking bone. Like here's some welfare. Here's, you know, a pittance. Yeah. Oh, I give you a dollar an hour promo. Like, yeah, but you're slaving away for the man, right? Yeah. A lot of people are, but the word's been gone though. So don't, don't worry guys. Slavery is done with, we don't have to change a thing. Let's let the giant global elite keep making money off the backs of the poor. It's totally cool. It's all good. There's definitely no slavery happening here because we we activists got rid of the word slave. No one's allowed to say that anymore. Right. Hollow victory. It didn't change didn't change much at all. Okay. It's all just slavery by a different name. Right. Or you can take the word slut. Slut hasn't been banned, it's been reclaimed. Yes, it has. Okay, so the word slut has been reclaimed. So this is amazing for the cause, right? Amber Rose's slut walk is a thing and you can say slut on TV and slut everywhere. And it used to be, you couldn't say it. It's been reclaimed. We have reclaimed that word. Huge win for feminist activists, right? Mm -hmm. Even for me. Okay, great. Except don't you still get judgy stares for dressing slutty? And don't OnlyFans girls, as soon as they say they have a 326 body count, get judged by even even you? (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, slut? Like in your head. (laughs) Yeah. Girls? What the hell? Why are you sleeping around? What is that necessary? Yeah. Judge, judge, judge. Well, maybe not judge, 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 but yes. What? Uh, I, it's ju- I, people are judging yeah, this girl. I got you. Yeah. Maybe not you, but someone is, yeah. and they stare at them. They stare daggers, and the daggers are just you're a slut. Mm-hmm. You're a slutty woman. You're a pr- promiscuous woman. We don't like that. We frown on that. I wouldn't date you. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to touch you. No one likes it. It's like okay, you removed the word slut or reclaimed it or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Society still looks at you. They just swap it for her. Yeah, they do. So what are all these language victories? And who cares if they change the language? I don't care if they they win their chest feeder womb bearer battle. You know why? (sighs) Because I'm still going to seek a woman with a vagina for my relationship. And I'm still going to like stay far away from the biological male who tucks. Like, oh, but then they would call you transphobic. Whatever. We talked about that in another yeah. question. Call me what you want. I'm not afraid. I just have a preference and I prefer someone with a vag. Yeah. So like I said, the one who tucks is not for me. Yeah. Okay. Off the tuck. <laughs> well, I'm allowed to have preferences. Of course you're allowed to have preferences. I, I can still have friends and support them and be ally or whatever, but I have a preference. Of course you have a preference. But the the point is, is like these people don't want you to have, they want to change language. That's a whole other side issue. 
to to make it so your preferences don't matter. That's My preferences are not to be ever called a chest feeder or a womb bearer. I'm female. But, but here's what I'm saying. You're joining their language game. They want to fight to change the language and you want to fight to defend it. But you see, I'm I'm outside the game. I'm like, okay, remove the word slave. I'm still going to see, well, I'm still going to watch people living like slaves. Go ahead, reclaim the word slut. I'm still going to see people judged as sluts. Like, all right, nothing I, I, has changed. I get what you're saying. And, and you're right. Remove the N word, but there's still going to be people who are mistreating and looking down on yeah. a certain race. Even if they don't use that word, they most definitely still treat yeah, them it exists. like that. I'm not anyway. going to pretend it doesn't. Yeah, no. But, oh, right. but they got rid of the word. Yeah. No one can Fair say play. it. It's a super bad word. Huge win for the cause, right? No. Yeah. Step outside the language game. It's a joke. Yeah. It's fluff. Language is power and you can do amazing things with yes. it. But if you look throughout history, anytime some some angry, protesty cause fighter has gotten language changed, it's always a hollow victory. Yeah. All right. So uh ladies, those of you who become incensed in in the comment section of, of videos talking about this, I feel you, I see you, I love you. It's a waste of energy though. It is a waste of energy. You know, it's all good. We know what we are and that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. And on top of all that, they're unlikely to to get this changed anyways. There's very few language victories anyways. Like swapping a short word for a long word almost never happens. Right. So woman or womb bearer, it's not going to like no one's going on board with this. Right. It's yeah. it's not going to happen. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to use that. Language. It's a super tough sell. So let them struggle. Like let them. It's like a salmon swimming upstream. Like good luck changing that to that. Yeah. Well, they put uh, they and them in the dictionary as a as a I don't know if it's as a gender or, or I know they, they changed it. They added it, whatever. I am. I'm not I'm not using it. So no one is. Yeah. There's like. Like you said, 1% of loud vocal minorities are using it, but everybody else isn't. If I go to a farm or a suburb or whatever, like it's not happening. No. And no one can control your mouth. Like Miley Cyrus said, uh, it's my mouth and I'll say what I want to. So, well, thank you very much for all the answers to my questions. This topic is, there were so many questions that I had that we're actually going to do another episode on this in a week or two or maybe a month, whatever. I don't know. It's um, it's on the schedule. Uh, it's coming up because I just had way too many questions. <laughs> And uh, I knocked out like 10. So, and, and it's already been an hour and a half. So thank you so much for your time. You are amazing and wonderful. You too. You give, thank you. You give wonderful answers to all my questions. Great questions. Uh, and if you disagreed with anything we said, please leave it in the comments. We want to hear your hate. We want to hear your love. We want to hear your questions. Whatever you want to share with us, we are all about it. I mean, I don't really want to hear the hate. Oh, I do. I want haters. I don't want it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm good with whatever. <laughs> I know you Express are. Express yourself. Yes. I have one last question for you. Do you have anything else that you want to share with our wonderful, amazing audience? Yes. I'd love everyone watching to reclaim some of the energy that they pour into this issue. Humanity has huge potential and can do all kinds of amazing things. But when they get sucked into arguments and debates and fights and protests, 
This is rarely a productive, healthy, wonderful use of human energy. Occasionally, you can get like a nice civil debate and it results in a healthy, productive outcome. But generally, people are pouring way too much energy into this stuff. I'd like to see more people chilling out, relaxing, dropping the heavy-handed agendas, letting more people live and let live, adapting to the situation instead of forcing everyone else to adapt to you. If you're anti-trans, maybe relax, chill out, and like smoking or pet rocks or vinyl records, this trans thing will die down and, and work its way out of your life experience, like all those other things have. If you're pro-trans, maybe chill out on the activism and the agendas and just live your life pro-trans in a gentle way, taking a firm stand whenever it happens to come up while letting other people live and let live. And who knows? In a hundred years, everyone might be trans. You might get your way. Just be chill, right? I want to see more people acknowledging that they don't need to personally have a vendetta and pour massive amounts of their human energy into this issue in order to get a desired outcome. It's just not necessary. I don't know who's convinced you that it is. It never works through all of history. But either way, we all have our own journeys. And if you really feel compelled to play on either side of the trans issue, I guess go ahead. My preferences don't really matter. And uh, whatever you do, I wish you all the best. Thanks for watching. There you go. Well, and that's why our book and this podcast is called Eyes Wide Open. Keep rising.